Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the actions and interests of skaters beyond skateboarding. My guest today, despite his Indian roots, has spent most of his life in France where he grew up. Surya Pandey, better known as Soy Pandey or Roy Sunday, started skating in the late 80s in the small city of Orléans, France. After traveling the world with the help of his sponsors for many years, Soy and his good friend Vivian Fail started a board brand by the name of Magenta Skateboards in 2010. He is the artistic director of the brand, making the graphics for the boards and clothing among other things. Now in its 12th year of existence, the brand is doing better than ever and is working on their next video project, Just Cruise Volume 2. So here's my conversation with Soy, I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello, Soy. <laughs> Hello. Thank you very much for seeing me today and having me in your apartment here in Paris. So I usually start this podcast with the same basic question with everybody, which is how did you find skateboarding? And I know that you grew up in Orléans and I think you lived in Belfort a little bit as well, but that was probably a little bit later in your life. True. So yeah, can you tell me a little bit about how you found skateboarding and how you got into it? At the age of uh, like 11, My brother was uh, doing BMX and I was kind of following in his footsteps. But I also realized it wasn't for me because it's like, it's big and heavy and I was, yeah, I just sucked at it. <laughs> <laughs> But so it was around like 88 or 89 and BMX and skateboarding were, were kind of linked. Yeah. There was a little bit of skating in BMX magazines, stuff like that. So the culture was uh, slightly visible. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was my very first eye on it. So I was like, ah, this looks kind of cool. And then around the same time, so in Orléans, I was living in like the, uh, kind of like in the suburbs, mm -hmm. like kind of far away from the city center and, and civilization. And so whenever I would go to the city with my parents, I was kind of fascinated by it because there's so much more happening. Yeah. Like you walk out of my door, there's, fucking, there's literally nothing happening. And then you mm -hmm. go to the city, you see like people, you see cars, you see... Uh, yeah, much more dynamic and... Uh, yeah. You see rich people, you see poor people, you see... Um, And so I was a little bit fascinated, but I wouldn't go so often. And then, yeah, one day I was at the back of my parents' car and we were kind of stuck in traffic. And I saw this guy like cross the street outside of uh, crosswalks. Yeah, yeah. And in front of the, in between cars. On a skateboard. On a skateboard. And okay. I was like 16, I was 12. And so when you're 12, you want to be 16. Mm -hmm. You want to be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever I would be in the city, I was like holding my parents' hands pretty much and like crossing at the green light on the crossroad. yeah. And I saw this guy, I'm like, oh, this is everything I want to be. Yeah, yeah, freedom. I want to be playing in traffic in between cars without yeah. holding someone's hand. Did you figure out who it was? I think I, I heard you talk about this in an interview, so... I think I did figure out who it was. Okay. I'm not 100% sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. but I'm pretty convinced that he was the, the local hero. He was actually a really good skater. He was pretty much the Mark Gonzalez of Orléans. Oh, really? Okay. And then I became friends with him. But like like years later, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's only afterwards I was like, yeah, I think that it must have been this guy because there was not so many people, and he was kind of a loner and just doing that cruising in the street. Why do you say he was like Mark Gonzalez? Was he like a creative skater, or or what reminded you of him basically? I mean, he was creative, but like creative at that time meant something kind of different because the yeah. skateboarding was not so advanced. But he was someone who was like just really good with a really good style. And uh, he was like 10 steps ahead of anyone else in the city. 
or maybe 10 steps ahead of most people in France, in France at least in yeah. a certain uh, yeah, it's the first guy that I saw skate with a double tail when mm. the double tail came out everyone has a had a tiny nose or like a non-existent nose and then all of a sudden this boy with the double tail comes out yeah and he's like he's super into it and he's doing one foot ollies with it and everyone oh, else yeah. is like dude that should not even be possible you cannot do one foot ollie with a <laughs> with a massive uh, yeah. something in front of your of nose course, like yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, it was just someone who would learn things really fast. He would never recome skate with a crew so mm -hmm. much. He just like cruise around the city, and uh, and so yeah, I was uh, that was my first uh, encounter. first encounter, and yeah. I was like, okay, I, that's what I want to do from now on. Yeah, and okay. that's what I did, and it also like shaped how I still look at skating and what I still love about skating. I'm still look, I'm still I still love to just be cruising in between cars, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah to yeah. be playing in traffic and to go. That's what I still love to do, and that's still what I want to put in videos and stuff like that. Yeah. It was all like shaped by the f by the very first uh, that very first encounter. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much like a drug shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're trying to reenact. Mm -hmm. Is that a word? Yeah, reenact. Yeah, yeah. Reenact the remake it or yeah the exact same feeling. Yeah. That I saw this day, I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So from what you're saying, and I also read in some other interviews you did that you were very influenced by like East Coast skateboarding. So what were some of maybe the very first videos that you watched, uh, maybe around that age or a bit later? What were some of the most impactful videos that you've seen growing up, maybe? I mean, so like I said, this, uh, this vision of this guy crossing the street was my first encounter. Mm -hmm. And this got me into skating. But then when I got into skating, I loved everything that was related to skating. I was 12 and I just like loved everything. Mm -hmm. So I was watching a lot of, uh, I don't know, H Street videos and uh, stuff like that at the time. So basically the big companies producing videos at the time were Paul Peralta and yeah. uh, Santa Cruz and H Street. H Street, yeah. And it was the East Coast was like non-existent, at yeah, least, yeah, yeah. At not, least not here. Mm -hmm. And even there it was like really nascent, I guess. Yeah. And so I, I was into like all this, whatever was related to skating, I was into it. Mm -hmm. And then... I guess it was with a foreign one that maybe this started to be a, a small focus on East Coast uh, skating. Okay. The first images I saw of that obviously reminded me of the first encounter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even though I couldn't um, theorize it like that, but I saw this, I'm like, ah, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, you could see a link. I couldn't see it clearly, but yeah. at least it spoke to me yeah, at yeah, some yeah. level. I was like, okay, I like this better. It had more flavor or more, yeah, it was yeah, exactly. cooler or, yeah. And so... Uh, in the early to mid-90s, East Coast skateboarding was a lot more, uh, started to be more present. Mm -hmm. It was like um, Eastern Exposure videos and like yep. Zoo York videos and all this. And I was, yeah, I was drawn into that. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I, this is cool. I like that. Yeah, this is my shit. Yeah. And mm -hmm. around the same time, I started li living in a city. So that's when I was living in Belfort. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a small town, but at least I was living in the city center. Okay, yeah. And yeah. so... Uh, was there a skate scene over there or...? There was a small skate scene. Okay. Not very big, but there was a skate scene. Mm -hmm. And at least I was in a city. I was not in the suburbs anymore. Because before that, when I was in Orléans, I, would, I didn't have so many chances to go to the city center. I was living... I was skating like in my suburbs or like in between my suburbs and the city. But within one or two years after I started, we moved to Belfort. Mm -hmm. Like the smaller town, but I was in the city. And so I, I was skating in the city and kind of like pushing in the street which was already like had more flavor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the things you would see in videos at the time were mostly like uh, West Coast uh, schoolyard yeah. stuff. And so we're kind of like looking for schoolyards, but <laughs> yeah. we didn't really have this. And, yeah. uh, and also it didn't have the same flavor, but that's the only thing you would see in videos. So you try to emulate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so that was early 90s. And that's when the East Coast videos started to pop up. Okay. I was like, oh yeah, it's, we can do that. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. City, so, and all the spots that I skated around my house were in the city, uh, the, the run-up or whatever. I, I would always take from the street to early the curb to skate a ledge and whatever. And, I, and in my head, I was pretty much Ricky Oyola. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This. <laughs> so you could relate a lot better to these videos yes, rather exactly. than the, like the West Coast. Yeah, it looked like something I could do and something that I enjoy doing. And so I was like yeah, very influenced by uh, okay. East Coast skating. And so tell me about maybe some of the very first sponsors that came into the picture. Um, because did that happen uh, when you were in Belfort? Or did, did sponsors come into the picture a bit later? Do you remember when you started getting hooked up by sponsors? After Belfort, I went to, um, I went to Grenoble to, right. for my studies, yeah, which yeah. is like south, so, uh, south of Lyon. And so I was kind of back and forth, like visiting my parents in Belfort and studying in, in Grenoble. Sometimes we would go to Lyon. And around that time, so that, that was like 97, 98, I started having a couple photos in magazines. And with this, I got a shop sponsor, Bud, mm -hmm. from Oh, Rouen. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did that happen, actually? Because since the skate shop is in Rouen, how did they find out about you? They were doing a lot of uh, mail order. So they yeah. had, uh, they were sponsoring skaters kind from of from all over France, all over France, okay. and okay. Um, I can't remember exactly how it happened. I think they just called me. It's uh, yeah. They, I'm not. Sh I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but they reached out and like, okay, yeah, we can. Uh, and I think you're still. You're I still, still skate for them. Yeah. Yeah, 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 which is cool. I'm yeah. pretty loyal in terms of. Um, yeah, looks like it. Yeah. And around the same time, I started being flowed by um by the Osiris distributor in Lyon. Yes. And so I was at the same time I was skating D3s was, uh, or <laughs> not D3s but not far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because pretty much all their shoes look like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was really not the type of shoes that I liked. Yeah. But I really I didn't have money. Before that I was kind of like kind of begging for prices at the at the shop. Yeah, yeah. At yeah. the shop in uh, Grenoble mm -hmm. before I got hooked up by uh, Bud. Our uh, friends would give me like old pairs of shoes which were not always my size. Yeah, we're trying to And so in a way I was stoked happen. I was stoked to get a sponsor and to get free shoes. Mm -hmm. Also there's a you're like okay I get some recognition like someone yeah, is yeah. like but at the same time I looked at my feet and I'm like fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> like not feeling it too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I pretty much hated it. Even though I was thankful for it but I was like yeah, oh, it's yeah, not yeah. my uh, how, how long did that did that last the the Osiris thing? Maybe one year, I guess. Okay. Okay. And then I was a big fan of uh iPath. Oh, so and they were already around at that they time? They were already a company. They were around. Okay. Yeah. It was still a quite new company, but I was yeah. seeing this in magazines and stuff, and all yeah, the yeah. ferry skaters were skating for yeah, it. Yeah, much more your vibe, yeah. And then one day I learned that they found a distributor in France, which was a friend of uh, the guy from Bud. Okay. In Classics. And so I just I, I sent them like a sponsor me tape, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm going to skate for this company. And at the same time, I had like a, the same month or something, I had like a couple of photos in magazines, and I was like, oh, yeah, we're... Yeah, we dig that. They were, the they fits, were hyped uh, on your footage. The fits and, in the, yeah. the fits in the, with the brand and we were psyched. Cool. And so I started getting shows from, shoes from my path. That was like the, yeah, dream maybe the, happy, the happiest, <laughs> day, of, <laughs> the happiest yeah. day of my life. The first day that I received these shoes, the grasshoppers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, damn. Were these the like uh, Nate Jones pro model? No, uh, what's his no, name? No, the grasshoppers were like, they kind of look like the high top Nikes, I guess. Okay. With the scratch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember One of their um, early iconic shoe. Yeah, and yeah. You must have been hyped for sure, dude. Yeah. I was so hyped, <laughs> <laughs> especially coming from Osiris and yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What what about boards? Like, were you getting boards from distributors as well at that time? Or? At that time, no, I was getting uh, shop boards. Okay. And from Bud. Yeah. From Bud, and pretty quickly they lost the distribution around the time that I got to Paris. Okay, so uh, in early 2000, 2001, I moved to Paris. Yes, my, uh, to do your master's year, uh, degree, right? Yes. Yes, okay. And when I got here, I got contacted by uh, Samir Krim. Yes. Who was starting... a uh, Famous French uh, skater from the 90s, early 2000s, yeah. yeah. And he was starting a wheel company called Tical. And he got in touch with me and he wanted me to skate for, the, for Tical. So I did this. And around that time, he was working for a distribution company who mm -hmm. was distributing Deluxe and some other brands. And they overtook the distribution of iPath, maybe kind of through my contact. And so I started getting iPath from them. And since they were distributing Deluxe, I was getting uh, real boards. Okay. And so, yeah, that's the boards I was writing at the time. And then I went. And th then Samir, did, was it Samir who started Minu uh, Minutia Skateboards? And exactly. And then after yeah. that, he started Minutia. And he, and he offered you to ride for them. And, and yeah. he offered me to, uh, yeah, to turn pro for them. And at that time, I was doing an internship at Cliché from, for the, my last yes, year of yes. studies. Uh, I was doing an internship. And at the same time, Jeremy was asking me to... Uh, to ride for Cliché? No, to get a, to get a job. My internship was in sales with them, international sales. Oh, you were doing an internship in the middle of your, your economics course in Paris, right? Yes, okay. Yes. okay. At the end, actually. Okay. The, the, my last year of uh, oh, and college. Oh, so, and so Jeremy was offering you a job over there, but, yeah. but not to write for the brand, but rather work in like the, the warehouse or something? Or? Not the warehouse. I was dealing with the uh, international distributors. Oh, yeah. Sales. And, okay, sales. Okay. I see. Oh, so you had two offers, so either work in sales for a cliche or... Or skate or for a company. Become a pro skater. Yeah. yeah. And my dream was to be a pro skater. Oh, yeah. And Minutia was like pretty much non-existent. Well, it was non-existent. It was yeah. not even started. And Jeremy was like, yeah, but I offer you this job. It's a mm. good opportunity. And so at first I was like, okay, maybe I can skate for them and do the internship with you. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, no way? <laughs> and, uh, and I was yeah. like, yeah, well. And I have no interest in sales. Like, yeah. I didn't have any interest in my studies. <laughs> okay. And this part was like, I'm stoked to be in skating, but that's not what I want to do. And so I was like, yeah, no, I'll, I think I'll choose the other one. And it really, it really pissed him off at the time. Oh, really? It, well, uh, I think he got over it eventually, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but all, at first. It's all good today. <laughs> yeah, right now it's all good. We're friends. And yeah, yeah. But at the time, I remember... Yeah, he was, was a bit pissed off. He was a bit pissed off. And maybe because he saw that... Uh, he was like, okay, this, this new company from Paris is starting up. Oh, yeah. He was afraid of competition. And or... this guy apparently thinks it's cooler to go there rather than to work here. So maybe that's a part of what pissed him off. And I can understand yeah. that now. But he wasn't offering you to turn pro for them. No. And I was like, so yeah, but like... And he was like, he was yeah. like, okay, if you want, I'll get, we'll give you boards too. Like, that's part of yeah. it. Yeah. But I was like, ah, it's... Yeah, it's not exactly the same thing. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I can understand why you wanted to go to Minusia. It was, it was actually your dream becoming yeah. true, you know? Yeah, even though Cliché was a renowned brand and everything. Exactly, but, uh, and I was a big fan of Cliché. Yeah, uh, for sure, yeah. I knew that my place at Cliché would never be the same. I was like, a real salesperson. Mm -hmm. And I'm not very much of a salesperson <laughs> to start <laughs> with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you skated for Minutia for a while. I, I don't remember how long that brand lasted, but it was a pretty short period, right? Yeah, like a year or two or three? About maybe? two years, maybe, I think. Two years, yeah. okay. And so you turned pro. Was that when you met Vivian, Vivian Fail? Yeah, that's okay. how I met Vivian. We, we hooked him up. So it was like uh, Samir, David Coulio, myself, yes. Alex Van Ock. And yeah, that's when we picked him up. And that's when I got really close friends with him. 
Mm-hmm. Like he would come stay at my place in Paris. Like he was studying in Reims at the time. Mm-hmm. He was studying like business school. Business, yeah, yeah. And he also wasn't fascinated by school. Yeah. <laughs> so at first he would come like every weekend and stay at my place. And then he just ended up staying like all week and never returning to school pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And eventually he moved in, in with you, right? And at some point he moved in with yeah, me. Yeah, you became roommates. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about about that in a second. But I'm just curious to ask you about um, the very beginning of your pro skater career, like th- those first years with Minutia, because I read somewhere that you crossed paths with uh, Kenny Reed, and um, and that at that time I don't know if he was already like the huge traveler that he eventually became, but uh, I think that you you saw him traveling and and doing his thing and and basically having a different career sort of than maybe skaters in America mm-hmm. who were skating in California and staying at the same kind of spots he was rather going to exotic locations and mm-hmm. places where skateboarding was pretty much non-existent and so i was just wondering how, how did you meet with him and how did he influence you in those uh, early stages of your skate career so i was already like a big fan of his style i was watching the videos and stuff i was like yeah, i really like how this yeah. guy skates it was it was already like a big influence on me yeah and one time i was in i was visiting paris before I moved here, so maybe it was like 2000. And he was also in Paris with a new deal. I knew a Benjamin Dobert a yes. little bit. Mm-hmm. And he went with them to shoot photos. So I, we tagged along and skated with them. And it was actually his first trip out of the US. Oh, really? And of his he, entire life? Oh, really? I think so, yeah. That was okay. his first time outside of the US. He was not pro yet, so he had, someone wrote oh, yeah. with a, his name on the board with a marker. <laughs> but he wasn't, he wasn't yet a pro. Okay. Oh, it was really early stages of his career as well. Then. Okay. And um, you guys are pretty much the same age, aren't you? Like, uh, he's a bit older than me. Okay. And from this trip, he started traveling extensively. And on that trip, I just kind of met him, but I was I didn't get close. But the more and I started, yeah, I saw him do this uh, traveler thing. Yep. And I was like, damn, I could, I could do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can gather like a few friends, a photographer, and go to some place and write an article about it. And so I started doing that a lot, mm-hmm. traveling to like weird places and coming back with an article and I would write the article, get paid for the article. With this, I started to get my uh, plane tickets paid for. For the first trips, uh, Bud helped me out a lot because then, yeah, I didn't need products and they were like, okay, we can help you in, in some way. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I started doing the same. And with this, I, I, on trips, I would sometimes bump into him. Like we bumped into each other in like Bulgaria, like in, in a few different places. Okay. Start being friends, then we started traveling some places together, like invite yeah. him to go to Moscow, invite me to go to Israel with him, with him and the people he was traveling with. Yeah, yeah. And so I got a li- little bit more uh, official on iPath. Oh, yeah, right. He was skating Not them, very, yeah. like, not very official, but I was starting to talk with the, with the guy in the US and... Rather than with the French distributor. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And they're like, okay, we can pay you, like, photo incentives when you have uh, photos in the magazines, wearing the shoes and stuff. And what else? And so at the same, around that time, uh, Josh Stewart was making the static videos. Yes. And yep. asked me to have a part in, in his next, um, the static next video. Static 3, right? In static yeah. 3. Mm-hmm. And so this helped me out travel too, because I, w- I was getting for Planet Earth also that Kenny yep. Reed was getting for, like right, the clothing yeah. brand. And so I could ask them for a bit of travel budget to film for this video, which yep. was a very big video in the US. So mm-hmm. like, oh, if you have a part in this, yeah, we can help you travel and do this. And so I tried, I started to travel a lot more, travel with Kenny, with uh, Planet Earth and iPad guys. Okay. And yeah, that was a, that was a really fun time. Yeah. Like it's sure. like 
this was really like the the dream come true because I was skating with my favorite yeah. skaters, going on trip with them. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, here? yeah, yeah. That was really nice. And so I just had a question about Kenny because you, uh, I, I heard in um, the Big Spin interview you did, uh, you talked about a, a funny story about, it's not that funny, it's actually more dramatic, but uh, about bribing some police officers in Russia. I was wondering if you could uh, share it with uh, the English speakers that are listening to this. What year was that? Do you remember that trip to Russia? Must have been 2005 or six. Yeah, Kenny had rented a room, Airbnb, for like three months. Okay. And just like got people to come over, like photographers, filmmakers, and friends. In uh, in Moscow? Or? In Moscow, yeah. Okay. And it was like, yeah, if you want to come, like, you know, you can stay here. Mm -hmm. So I went there for a week and uh, already to go there was like a hassle because you need like a voucher. You visa? Need, or, yeah. yeah, some kind of, you need the visa, but you need like a voucher. You need to invite it by someone oh, there. Oh, okay. And like to a, get the visa was like quite, there, uh, yeah. quite complicated and expensive. And so it was kind of a nightmare to go there. And, and normally when you get there, You're supposed to go to the embassy to get your passport stamped. Or if you stay at the hotel, they do it for you. Mm -hmm. But I was staying with uh, Kenny, uh, so the hotel didn't do it for me. And I was like, damn, I'm here for a week. I'm not going to... I want to go to an embassy and, and yeah. spend like five hours to get a stamp. Like, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. And it was fine the whole way. And then on the very last night, we went to a bar uh, to uh, because some people were like, okay, let's have a last drink. Mm -hmm. You guys been here for a week or... And my plan was literally the next morning. And... On the way to the bar, we kind of all stop in an, allie an alleyway to piss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at some point, I'm taking a piss, and I, I turn my hand back, and I, I just see a car, like, passing in front of the alleyway and then turning back, like... Oh, yeah. And I'm like, eh, <laughs> maybe it's time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who these people are, but it doesn't look good. Okay. And so we all, like, went out of the alleyway, and obviously these two cops come out, and they're like, eh. And they speak only Russian. Oh, yeah. Nobody spoke Russian in, in your group? No, I mean, Kenny's girlfriend spoke, uh, she's Bulgarian and she could understand oh. and speak a little bit. Okay. But no one else. So it was difficult to communicate, yeah. And it was almost impossible. Yeah. And the guy spoke only Russian, so they checked our passports and everything. And obviously the problems were with uh, me and Kenny. So very quickly yeah. we realized, okay, it's the stamp. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, the yeah, stamp yeah. that we don't have. But we played dumb, we're like, hey, what's going on? We didn't know we needed it. And it lasted for like 20 minutes of them talking Russian, okay. arguing that we don't have the stamp and okay. us playing dumb and after 20 minutes kenny's girlfriend who understood it she told us in english like okay now they're talking about taking you to the station okay and in russia it's not a very good idea right yeah now. not cool yeah and so kenny was like oh i think we should give them some money yeah <laughs> and i'm like all right i've never done that in my life yeah, like i don't yeah, know yeah. how you go about it yeah and then kenny went first he's like okay uh you know, maybe you can find an arrangement with some money, maybe. Did he just pull out the money and show them? Or no, he was just like, okay, maybe we can find an arrangement. Uh, maybe okay. we can give you some money or some shit. So I guess, yeah, he pulled like for the uh, gesture so that the guy yeah, understood. So he they, must have taken yeah. some money out. or. And at this point on, they start speaking English. <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, I, I realized that they understood everything that, oh, yeah, that, that you guys Kenny's girlfriend, that uh, we were saying. Yeah. So that we knew that We knew why they were here, and they knew we were playing them. They knew that uh, Kenny's girlfriend was translating. Mm, they were playing you the whole time. Yeah. Oh. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they're like, okay, it's going to be uh, $200 each. Okay. Oh, wow. And I had, like, I had, I think, 500 rubles on me, which was the equivalent of $12. Okay. And so when I, when I hear the 200, <laughs> not I'm even like, close. Oh, and and I know that 
they played us and they yeah. knew that we knew and stuff like that i was like oh we're fucked man uh, yeah, this yeah. is not looking good we're going to the police station and uh, yeah and so when they said the 200 dollars, kenny was like ah come on come on we get we got 500 rubles in my head i'm like okay we're fucked yeah it's done <laughs> <laughs> and they were like okay uh, oh, like instantly okay instantly yeah. so we gave them we each gave them 500 so 24 dollars mm-hmm. they took it instantly we're taking out the money and, and they're like no no not here and they took us back to the little alleyway the dark <laughs> alleyway take the money give the passports back say a little like uh it was nice doing business with you <laughs> i'm like oh shit this is out of a fucking movie <laughs> and then i i talked about it to a friend of mine who was a photographer for kingpin who was the one who helped me out with the with his travel because he's been there many times and he had contacts and, he, and i was always yeah. in contact with him okay and i told him the story and i was like wow really i've bribed like so many cops in russia and the most I ever paid was 300 rubles. Oh, okay. We paid, <laughs> so we paid less, uh, in total, we paid 1,000. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah. the very most I spent was 300. <laughs> so like, then on top of that, we, we gave them... You a, overpaid them, yeah. Yeah. But they were asking for 400, yeah. Yeah, well, times, they, were gonna, they were going to maximize, uh, yeah. of course. They were like 200 and, and you offered 12 and they're like, fine, that's fine, yeah. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I've been wanting to go back since then, but I haven't yeah. had a chance. I was going to ask you, yeah, did, did you ever go back after that? No, no, I haven't had a chance. Okay. We're planning on, uh, we're planning on it. We're supposed to do a like a small magenta tour. I don't know who was going to come. It was mostly me and Vivian very much who wanted to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously but, it's not um, going to happen anytime but soon. But then, uh, yeah, yeah, the um, COVID happened, yeah. and we had to postpone it. And then after that was War in some Ukraine. Factor, yeah, all this shit, mm-hmm. and so we can't go anymore. I'm like, fuck, man, no, I really want to go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe in a few years or something when things calm down, hopefully. And so I wanted to ask you also, you you wrote for Landscape, a British brand. Uh, Mm -hmm. Did that happen pretty much around that time? Was that your first board sponsor after uh, Minutia or did you have other things going on in between? So when, yeah, when Minutia ended after two years, I was going to London to skate a lot because that's where, uh, I mean, Josh was going there a lot. He was filming a static static part in... In London, and I was, in a way, I was closer to the uh, London scene than I was to the Parisian scene. The Parisian okay. scene was a lot of uh, plaza skating, like oh, yeah. the Dome and so stuff like that. So not too it much was, vibe, yeah. And in London, they were skating like more rugged streets. Uh, yeah. streets and stuff like that. So I was interested in that. I was looking at their videos a lot, like the all the blueprint stuff and yeah. even like the early landscape. Yeah, yeah. So I started going there a lot and making friends with people there. And so when Minusha kind of... Faded. Faded. They offered me to skate for the company and film for their video, and so I started doing that. Cool. And this lasted for... Did you have a part in, in one of their videos? Because uh, yeah, I, I remember yeah. seeing an old landscape video. I don't remember the name, but uh, I think Joel Curtis had the very first part skating to The Cure. I don't remember which video that was, but I, I don't think you have a part in there. Or maybe I'm mistaken. I'm, I'm not sure. And the first video they did, I didn't have a part in it. They came to Paris to film some parts of it, and they, stay yeah. with, they were staying with me. So I was already friends with them All right, when okay. they were filming the first, uh, their first video. And then you got on the And then program. I got on, and so they, they made a small uh, introduction video for me and uh, Tom Locke, who got on uh, the same time. So it was like a very short video. Mm-hmm. And then we started filming for uh, Horizons which was their second uh, full length. Full length, yeah. And I got a part in that one. Okay. That came out, I think, in 2008. So just after Static, or around that time. Okay. Static was 2007. The Static 3 that you were in? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so it was right before. So yeah, for Static 3, I was still on Landscape. And Landscape Video, I believe, it's 2008. Yeah, yeah. 
And so let's talk about Static 3 for a little bit, because you, you said you, you had a part in there, but uh, how did you meet with Josh? How did that uh, connection happen? I went to the um, Static 2 premiere in London, because all my fairy skaters had a part in it. It was like, okay, yeah. this is... Was it the one with Bobby Pulio? Bobby, Bobby Pulio, Rico yeah. Yola, Kenny Reed. Kenny had a part, yeah. And I was like, I want to see a part of these guys. Those are yeah. my favorite skaters. Yeah. And so already for Static 2, I was kind of dreaming of having a few tricks oh, yeah. because I was going to London a lot. I know they were, even when Joss didn't go, they had a, he was working with filmers there and they were filming a, a London section. Okay. And I was going there a lot at the time. So mm -hmm. I was like, ah, maybe I could, Get maybe a I could wiggle, a, yeah. wiggle something in there. And it never happened, mm. but I went to the premiere. I was super stoked, and I maybe I said hi, but I didn't really uh, got to chat much with. Uh, yeah, because Josh. it was the premiere. It was yeah, a lot of people, of people, and I was like, yeah, I don't want to sure. fan out. But I didn't send him an email, being like, "Yeah, thanks for doing this video with all these guys. Like, this is really uh, yeah." I mean, I'm, just saying that you you enjoyed it very much. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and just thanking him for making these videos. His work, yeah, because I'd seen also like Static One before that, and just yeah. followed that. And his reply was like, oh, yeah, I wanted to, I actually wanted to reach out to you to, to film a part for the next one and like film a Paris section. And I was like, damn, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, All right. stars aligned. Yeah, it's amazing. And, um, and so, so he flew over here to film that part with you? No, at first he, um, he rented a house in, uh, in Miami and okay. had some people come over, some people he wanted to have in the next video. So the yeah. Steve Brandy was there, mm -hmm. Pat Steiner, Joey Cry, Joey Pressy. Mm -hmm. And Snowy. Oh yes, Snowy who wrote for Landscape. It as was well, yeah, right? Jerry yeah, Pressy yeah. and Snowy were both on Landscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wanted to have a part with them. Okay. And so I went there for like two weeks, but I just um, not very long before that, a few months before that, I, I fucked my ankle. Okay. And I was just recovering when I went there. Oh, so you couldn't skate prop and like fully? Yeah. Yeah, my confidence wasn't back, and okay. And basically, I filmed like two tricks in two weeks, and I was like, okay, this is not happening. Yeah. Like and I felt like part won't be happening, yeah. yeah, I felt really bad. I was like, okay, like he asked all these people, but it doesn't mean that they're really gonna have a part. And yeah. if I can't film more than two tricks in two weeks, like this is, this is kind of over. You just yeah. you just suck, dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so he brought me back to the airport, and I was like, okay, I need to break it down to him, and he, because I, I felt embarrassed. I'm like, okay, like, yeah. he, and I felt embarrassed for him because I was like, okay, now maybe he went ahead and told me that he wanted that part of me, but obviously I suck at skating. <laughs> So it's not gonna happen. So it's like, okay, I need to be the one to disembarrass him. To yeah, like, yeah. Okay, I'll I'll put that weight off and I'll just. Yes. Okay, I understand. And I was about to say like, okay, let's forget it. You know. Yeah. It's really nice to have me here. And before I could say that, he was like, okay, what I'll do is I'll come a week in France to stay with you. Okay. Amazing. Like, oh, okay. Did he come late a, a bit later? Did he Did he give you enough time for you to recover fully from your ankle injury? It, well, it came like not so much longer after that, I think. Okay. Like within a few months. Because on, on, on that video part, you seem, you don't seem like you're, I mean, you're skating really well, so it doesn't look like you're... I mean, even when I was in, in Miami, I think I could pretty much skate Okay. most of it, but, but my like head wasn't yeah. really, uh, and the spots are different, so there's, yeah. there's a whole... Um, and so within a few months, he came to Paris to stay with me for a week. Mm-hmm. Which for sure was like the most productive week of my life because I filmed, yeah, like a good the whole know, part like, basically. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a few tricks here and there that come from yeah. different different trips. There, there's but a few the backbone in, in of SF it is, uh, there, uh, yeah. There's some I stuff so. in SF. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was still like traveling, mm -hmm. and whenever I'd go somewhere, I was like, okay, I'm filming a path of static, and so everywhere I'd, I'd try to film stuff for that. So there's a few clips from here and there, 
but I would say like 60 or 70% of yeah, the park is in Paris, is, is in Paris yeah. and yeah, yeah, filmed yeah. with that one week. Mm-hmm. And so, so you shared the part, well, not exactly sharing, but uh, Vivian had some tricks in there, like, yeah. uh, but just a few tricks. Like Vivian had like a, a few tricks. Half and half. Kenny yeah. Reed had a trick. Oh, did he? Okay, Mickey, I didn't remember. Okay. Mickey McRod and Yann Cleaver oh, yeah. had a yeah. trick because I was traveling, at the time I was traveling a lot with uh, Mickey, Yann and Vivian and sometimes Kenny as well. When, and so I had tricks of them in of yeah, all of your them homies, in the park basically. and Vivian yeah. was living with me and so whenever it goes skate like for that week if you did a lot of stuff in that week too mm-hmm. and so there's like a little section of him and yeah this was a really fun time too that week was pretty crazy yeah I'm sure yeah must have been really uh, really busy, intense yeah. really hectic. intense yeah, yeah yeah two of my longest line and the most hectic ones were filmed the, the same I day I think the first line uh, you do that the um, like a 180 then a half frontside half cap flip then you all it's at Hotel de Ville in Hotel Paris Ville, and, yeah. and then kickflip nose manual nolly tray out yeah uh, yeah that's that's a super tech line uh, I remember seeing that and being like wow I, I did not imagine you doing a nolly tray out of it I was like oh, maybe nolly flip or nolly shove but nolly tray I wasn't expecting it I remember being caught by surprise by it like whoa shit like that's and the line actually gnarly. continued, but I missed at the end. Oh, you continued it. And okay. so we, he cut the line here because that okay. was the, he kept what it was best. But uh, yeah, yeah. And so this line, the trouble with it is like, you know, at the end, by the time of the Nully tray out, it's at a corner. And yeah. Hotel de Ville is like very central. It's very touristy. Lots of people walking So there's walking always through. people coming yeah. that you can't see coming. You know, there's like a dead angle and you've, you've done the beginning of the line already, which is, there's a lot to miss already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, when you reach the end, there's a constant flow of people coming yeah. even though there's a friend of mine kind of oh, like he was like uh, stopping, stopping the people yeah. but like yeah. if you s- try to stop people in a touristy place like most of people don't even speak french and they just yeah. see some kind of weird dude with a skateboard <laughs> trying to come up to them and they're yeah. like yeah no, we don't like, have what any do you money want? like, like uh, yeah i don't i'm not gonna <laughs> give you any money yeah. so don't they don't even turn their head they just keep walking yeah exactly yeah. and i was driving crazy because every time i would reach to the point of the nolly tray yeah there'd be someone coming every time i'm like uh, come on man yeah it must have been a mind fuck it for was sure. like hours trying this mainly because of this okay so i was pretty good with the rest mm-hmm. and every time i'd reach the end there'd be someone and i'm like i'm never gonna have a fucking <laughs> try and sometimes i would get a try at the nolly tray and, and miss it but as i didn't do so many tries of the nolly tray yeah, because every time there would be someone and you, would, uh, always someone. Yeah, you would have to stop, basically. And so that was a really like, long and stressful line because of this and took yeah. hours. And from there, we went to the Trocadero in front of the Eiffel Tower. Yes. Oh, and yeah. filmed the other long, long line. line. Yeah, we do nolly back heel and uh, like Fakey a tail flip and touch line to the bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in this line, I skated two spots there, I guess, yeah. never been skated before. Like the the bank up all over the yeah uh, the like thing. the round uh, thing yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and the ledge into the bank I'm not sure if people have skated before yeah no, maybe not yeah and I was riding in front of the Eiffel Tower so the this this one ended up the other one ended up being the tech line to be like okay it's just cruising but you can also not literally out of a, yeah, out yeah, of a yeah. nose manual yeah. Well, especially after uh, a somewhat long line, because as you said, you had a bunch of tricks before that, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure it must have been exhausting trying that. Was exhausting. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly the same thing happened at Trocadero. Oh yeah, okay. Because at the for the tail slide, you land into that bank, and straight after it is a stairway. Yep. And it's the Eiffel Tower, so the constant flow of Lots tourists of walking up the mm-hmm. those stairs, and you yeah. can't see them. And they're going to turn in that direction and go towards the, the steps where the bank is. And yeah, so if yeah. I miss, I'm going to shoot them in the legs. Yeah. yeah. 
or uh, even if I do land it, I'm going to come down a bank and just like run into them. Run into them. Yeah, yeah. And they don't even have time to understand what's going on. Yeah. And again, I had a friend who stayed there and tried to stop them, but that didn't work out because for the same reason that like, who's this guy? Like he's, he's going to try yeah. to sell me like what, uh, mini <laughs> Eiffel Towers or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. or rob me of my money. Or, yeah, yeah, so they just like walked past him. And so the same thing happened. I was like, okay, I'm never going to have a fucking go at the tail slide because there's always people coming up. Mm-hmm. Was it Josh who kind of told you to film these lines over there or was it more your idea? Because it's it, it, no, it was my idea all really the time. busy spots. So, yeah. But I like, I like busy spots. So I chose them partly for that. Okay. Because I was like, I, yeah, I want people in the... Yeah, in the scenery. I yeah. want people or I want cars. I want something yeah. in the scenery. So I chose all these locations partly for that. Okay. But then when you're actually doing it, yeah. I mean, that's still what I do now. I'm done. Every spot that I choose... You're not going this to maybe gonna sound uh, like, maybe gonna sound weird, but like or cocky or whatever. But obviously, I don't do anything complicated on spot that not very complicated. But the complicated part is usually there's always all the other elements uh, that a are... lot of people and a lot of cars, and you have to time it, and everything needs to be aligned yeah. for that line to be like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, with these two lines, I'm I'm stoked on them. But I remember yeah. at the time I was like exhausted of just like yeah not even be able to try or yeah just being not so very be like okay I'm, this is not even gonna work last yeah. hours but yeah it was an intense week man that first line did you do it in one day or did you have to go back to do it again i did those two in the same day oh really the two lines that was the most wow uh, <laughs> shit. the most uh, prolific day of my entire oh, life yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah they're two amazing lines yeah if my memory is correct, because it's a long time, but I'm, I'm, as far as I can remember, it's the same day. Okay, yeah, yeah. And did you choose the song for your part, or was it all Josh who took care of all the editing process? Or editing and song was Josh. After we f- okay. we were done filming, and I and I sent him some clips that I filmed elsewhere. Yeah. Okay, he was in charge of it. Okay, he didn't ask you like uh, what kind of music would you like or stuff like that. You just trusted. Maybe him. he did, or I'm not even sure. Okay. And I think at some point he had this. Uh, this song in mind and he's like okay i, I tried this on your footage and it, it looks perfect so yeah. we're gonna use it yeah it worked pretty well yeah and he might have told me before but uh, maybe not yeah. and at the time i was like you know what i've seen your videos i trust you like do yeah whatever, do whatever you please with it i'm not gonna yeah yeah yeah. yeah. not gonna interfere with it you know sure yeah you respected him and and admired his work so you were confident he was gonna do a good job and yeah, exactly yeah. so we talked about vivian a little bit so you had this apartment in paris on boulevard magenta so It's in the 10th arrondissement. It's in like the somewhat north of Paris. Is it close to Gare du Nord or around mm-hmm. there? It's very close to Gare du Nord. It's at the intersection of the 10th, the 9th and the 18th. So it's um, it's really close to Gare du Nord, which is the... Which one is of the, the main train the, stations. Yeah, the biggest train station. Yeah. Actually one of the biggest in Europe, I think. That's where you take and the Eurostar and... Yeah. Exactly. So I was really close to London, partly yeah. for this reason. And yeah, from there, you, it's also the... If you want to go to the Roissy Airport, it's also there that you take the suburban uh-huh. trains. And there's metro lines that go all over Paris from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, it was very... It was quite central, yeah. in fact. Even yeah. though it's like in the northern, northeastern uh, corner of Paris. And um, yeah, I love that place. Do you remember what year you moved into that apartment? Was that like... Yeah, that's like, when I moved mm-hmm. in Paris. Oh, okay, okay. I, arri- I arrived in Paris. My brother had the place. And oh, when I, when right. I got you here... You were living with your brother. I don't remember. Yeah. I didn't remember that. That's right. And so when okay. I came to Paris, we got a place for the two of us. And that's the first uh, first apartment in Paris. And then he moved out. And then he moved out and Vivian moved in. Right, okay. And then Vivian moved out. 
and uh-huh. I either had to find a roommate or to just leave the place. And in the end, I just left the place and uh, and found another place down the street, so in the same neighborhood. Okay. And so I stayed in that neighborhood for like yeah, a good ten years, maybe or yeah, something like that. And it became like it became a pretty famous like um, skate house, basically, where lots of yes. friends of yours and skaters uh, from other countries would uh, come through and crash on your couch or stuff like that. So yeah, since I was traveling a lot, I was meeting yeah. a lot of a um, lot of skaters from everywhere. And then the the guys from London started coming over, and then some U.S. guys, some people from literally like all over started uh, started coming there. Coming through because yeah. I was before that I was already like kind of the tour guide. Yeah. Because I was yeah I knew a lot of spots because I was traveling around the the city like cruising around the city a lot. So yeah. I knew yeah. Quite a lot of spots, and I I spoke uh, decent English, and I was skating with those guys. So um. So I just happened to be the tour guide, and at some point they just like came over instead of my house. Mm-hmm. And so at some point there was constantly someone staying there. I mean, at the time where uh, when I was feeling for static and or landscape, and I was traveling a lot, I was either away on a trip or there was someone. There was some people on my couch for weeks. So I was like full time. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was it was quite incredible. I thought afterwards, yeah. like, why didn't I take a photo of everyone who stayed here? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You and I thought have. about yeah, it a lot. Sure. Well, but I always sucked at taking photos. <laughs> And then I was like, damn, I'd, I'd have a portrait of like, <laughs> like hundreds planet. of people. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of famous people. Yeah. <laughs> at this yeah, point, yeah. You know, like. I-, I wanted to ask you actually, like, can you tell me maybe some of the more, um, like, most interesting, so to speak, guests that you've had over that come to mind, like, uh, in the skate industry? I mean, I've had Kenny Reed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've had uh, Ocean Howell. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've had uh, Nick Jensen, Paul Shire. Yes. I'm pretty sure I had Rory Milanis too, but I... Oh, yeah, who when, skates for Palace, right? Who skates for Palace. Right. But he was also on Landscape, so uh, oh, I think oh, maybe was at he? the okay. time of Landscape. And so obviously Snowy and Joey Pressy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who's the most um, uh, unlikely Brandy, guest? Steve Brandy, uh, Rich Adler. Okay, uh, yeah. Know, yeah. From the US? From the US, who else? Oh no! I, I think the tight booth guys also stayed at my house before they uh, before they started. Well, I mean they were maybe they were doing tight booth already, but be, maybe before they started heavies uh, and stuff like that. Okay. A lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And I don't remember all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you started Magenta from that apartment, actually, or, mm-hmm. or at least uh, the name was um, tribute to this apartment where yes. you and Vivian lived for a little bit together. And as we just mentioned, it was like this huge like skate hub for, for many skaters mm-hmm. from all over the world. So yeah, tell me a little bit about founding the brand. And um, I was interested in, in uh, asking you also, because you, you said in that Big Spin interview again, you, you, you um, talked about two traumatic experiences that you went through at that time, in, in, one in India and one in Barcelona. True. The one in Barcelona, I think, was a car crash mm-hmm. on a spot that you were skating. Yeah. And the one in India uh, was uh, like, um, how do you say... Uh, terrorist attack exactly yeah. yeah and uh and so apparently after those really i'm sure uh, awful experiences you pretty much figured like uh i, I just want to do something that i really enjoy doing because life is short it's super fragile and i'm not going to waste my time doing a shitty job that i don't give a yeah, shit about exactly. and so was that kind of at that time that you decided to start this uh, board band magenta started like maybe a, a year or something after that but it was like in the same area Okay. But basically, I was uh, finishing my studies. By that time, maybe I guess I was done with my studies. And my dad was pressing for me to get a regular job at a bank 
or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I have no like desire whatsoever so to, speak, to do job. this. You know? yeah. <laughs> But the static part was out already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that's, that's already the top of my dream. I've not yeah. dreamt further than that. Yeah. I've had a big, like a big part in an US video that was of international recognition, the peak of my career. You already turned pro. I turn pro, I make about 500 euros a month. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm at the peak of my career. I'm yeah. making 500 bucks. <laughs> uh, maybe it's, you know, as much as I hate it, maybe it's time that uh, I start that looking I, for a job. That yeah. I get a job. Mm -hmm. that I, you know, I, that I become kind of sort of adult. Did you call Jeremy at Cliché or? No. <laughs> But, uh, and then on one of the trips, like the, yeah, the thing in Barcelona, this car just like landed yes. from the sky, exactly where I was trying a trick. That's crazy. And I just, yeah. I just gave up on that trick. I was walking away from the from exact the location where I was trying this kickflip. And I hear this noise and I turn around and there's literally like a car dropping from the sky and then there. Damn. And I'm like, fuck, if I'd given like one more try, I'd be under the car and killed yeah. by Cough from no the more soy. falling yeah. from the sky, like literally out of nowhere. You can't like foresee it. That's yeah, crazy. And the one in India was like I organized the trip with a uh, Josh. So this was already f during the filming of Static. Right. And yeah, coming back to the hotel and we came back like 10 or 15 minutes or 20 minutes maybe after there was a terrorist attack at the foot of the hotel in a restaurant in an area where we would go check the check the emails, eat. And I was like, well, if it If we'd been like 15 minutes early, we'd be like right there mm -hmm. and it'd be, it'd be done. Yeah. And so, yeah, those two experiences, I was like, okay, like I could, I can literally die at whatever minute by some kind of chance occurrence. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if this is, if this is going to be the case, then yeah, I don't want to do a job that I don't want. Yeah. You know, to be waste like, your time. To be like, okay, I'm going to save money from when I was, I'm older and then everything disappears. And like, yeah. no, I, don't, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You can always argue like both ways, but that's what sure. triggered us. Like, okay, no, I'm not gonna take a job. I'm gonna do this. Yeah, you need to do something that has purpose and that makes you happy, basically. Mm -hmm. And yes, yeah, soon after that, in 2009, we started talking with Vivian about. Okay. I mean, he, he talked about it to me because that was his idea. Oh, it was his idea at first. Okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. You know, you, you can draw. We can, we can try this, and we did. I didn't believe in it, and in my experience, with the exception of cliche. Every board brand was pretty much lasting two years. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. Tikal was pretty much two years. Mm -hmm. Then came a Mechanism that lasted maybe one year. Then Minutia was like two years. Landscapes was longer, but when I left, I mean, not one left, but like Joy Presikan also left and Snowy left and Rory left. Okay. So it's kind of going down a little bit. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hard uh, business, yeah. It's uh, difficult uh, to, to yeah to make it last. It, yeah. it's actually a lot of work. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, sure. okay, in my experience, like a brand lasts about two years. <laughs> so I'm like, ours is going to be no exception. We can do that. It's going to be fun, but in two years, it's done. <laughs> so you were starting already anticipating that this wouldn't last longer than two two years, or yeah, it was like it'd be fun to do. Yeah, 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 it's you know, like it's it's going to be fun, but it's not going to be a long term thing. Yeah, okay. Was Vivian, uh, did he agree with you or was he more confident that it could work on the longer term? I'm not sure what, really, what he really thought about or what he really thought of this. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, whatever, let's just do it. Let's we'll give see. it a try. Yeah. Let's give it a try. If it, if it fails, it fails. If it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't. Like, we'll, let's not even think about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, why not? And I know that by that time, I'd, of, of course, I was friend with uh, Josh Stewart in the US. Mm -hmm. I had gone to Japan a few times. 
uh, was there for the Static premiere, Static 3 right. premiere in Japan. And uh, during my first uh, trip there, I met the guy who was distributing Landscape. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we started Magenta, already this guy in Japan, Uru, was like, okay, I'm, I want to distribute your brand in, Fran- in Japan. In Japan, yeah. And Josh was like, yeah, I'll take some boards and I want to expand the website because at this time this website was yeah. mostly... Uh, Theories of Atlantis. Yeah, it yeah. was mo- mostly selling uh, DVDs. But since the same year, in 2010, three European brands came up, yeah. Palace, Polar, and Magenta, all with from uh, friends of his. So it was like, yeah, I'll expand my website and take balls from you guys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and start like Theories Distribution. And so all of a sudden, we're distributing Japan and the US. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, like, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Two major markets for skateboarding, for sure. And yeah, surprisingly, it lasted longer than uh, yeah than we expected. It's been going on for... So 2010 was the year you launched, right? Yeah. So it's 12 years. 12 years now, yeah. Yeah, yeah we didn't have much of an idea of what we were doing at the time. A lot of times I'm still like this. Like the, <laughs> yeah. You know, you just like learn everything along the way. Well, yeah. Because you're also, your activity develops. You're, uh, mm-hmm. you, you start doing new things. You start making clothing. And it's like, I don't even, I don't know anything about this. Before <laughs> that, I didn't know. I stopped drawing for a long time. So I yes. was not even drawing much at the time. I was, uh-huh. I, I was picking up drawing again on paper. I had no idea how uh, Photoshop or Illustrator works. And I had to learn Photoshop in order to like make printable graphics. Okay. And so I learned that, and then you, the more things you do, the more you learn, and you're constantly learning and constantly yeah. saying, like, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm but I'm going to figure, figure it out. out. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'll try to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when you started, um, how did you decide who was going to do what with uh, Vivian? Because you, you just said you were focusing, uh, and you still are focusing on the art direction. Mm-hmm. And what would you say Vivian's role is? Is he more like the like a finance guy, sort of, or, or yeah, manager? Yeah, he's, like, he's, he's the brand manager. So he, I mean, he's going to do uh, also the financial aspect of it. Okay. But he oversees everything. So he's also going to do a little bit of art direction of... Uh, brand image or um, he's doing also social media he's like mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. editing videos he's doing a lot of stuff okay and his brother Jean was like straight away like doing yep. stock at first he was supposed to be filmer and photographer because he was really yep. good at that and handle the stock but his uh, his passion with the uh, photography and filming kind of faded and so basically he's, he was like focusing on the shipments and like more logistics and yeah the... exactly okay and yeah we're, we started we were three Leo was our first writer. Right. So it was you, Vivian, and, and Leo, Leo were the first with. three pros yeah. for Magenta. And then who, who were some of the next writers? Uh, the fourth one with, uh, was uh, Jimmy Lennon. From Florida, right? Yes, from yeah. Florida. We actually, we had some like common friends. He was king for Element at the time and was not very yeah. happy. And he had saw... a good part in that uh, Element video. I don't remember the name, but... Uh... Maybe Ele- Elementality or... Yeah, something like that. And yeah, he was getting super good and our common friend Steve Brandy was like, okay, you know, like, you know, he's really psyched on Magenta and you should like, because I was really up. close friends with, I'm still really close friends with uh, Steve and he, he knew uh, Jimmy really well. So it was like, okay, you know, like this guy is, and it's like, wow, really? Like skates for Element. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah Where's yeah. he going to do with <laughs> a yeah. small like French brand? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and we talked to him and it was like keen and he got on. You also got a uh, Ben Gore, I think, at the very beginning or, or very Around early stages, or a little bit later because we okay. were skating. I met Ben when I was in Miami Film Co. Static with Josh. Oh, okay. Because he was kind of a tour guide. I didn't remember like, he was from. He was like uh, nineteen Florida. or something. I think he was getting on World Industries or something at the time. Okay. 
after World, he, because of course he was not very really hyped on World. Yeah. And then he got on stereo. Mm -hmm. But we'd go to San Francisco. Sometimes he'd come to Paris. So we started skating together. And sometimes we just like bumped into him. Like straight after Miami, I went to San Francisco and I bumped into him there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we had some common friends. And he was skating for stereo. And it kind of felt like the company was not really going anywhere anymore or kind of also changing the direction. Yeah. And we're like, okay, like we're always getting together. You you enjoy coming here. Like this is what you like to do. So just come over. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, he's like, okay, yeah, fuck it, I'll do this. It made more sense for him. Yeah. yeah. I think after um, after Jimmy was Zach Lyons. Yes, I was gonna met, mention uh, him. Yeah, yeah. Then Glenn. Glenn Fox. Glenn Fox was uh, like uh, buying stuff from the website. Really? That's how you found him? Yeah. Oh yeah, he was amazing. like buying stuff, and at some point he asked Vivian because we were going to Japan. He was like, "Oh, if you go to Japan, can you bring me something from TPR?" Mm -hmm. And he he passed through Bordeaux. Vivian was already living at, in Bordeaux at that time, right? Yeah. And uh, Glenn was like going to Spain for a month or two, or maybe six months, maybe I don't know. Okay. And he passed through Bordeaux on the way in mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and met Vivian and Leo and these guys and then went to Spain. And then on the way back, he was like picking up where the Vivian had brought him. And Vivian saw him skate and saw him paint and do stuff. He's like, damn, this kid, this kid yeah, is really sick. Yeah, he's okay. rad. We knew him only from being a customer. He was like <laughs> always buying stuff on the website and stuff. Yeah. Wasn't he sponsored at that time? Uh, he was sponsored by, um, like by uh, Jersey or? Brands. Okay. From his friends, which are... They're sick brands, but are pretty much like Jersey based and they don't yeah, do yeah, yeah. outreach. Okay. But yeah, he went from like being a guy who buys on the website. Yeah, and a fan of like, Actually, you're, yeah, you're really sick. You should just skate for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. He's a special talent for yeah, sure. He's... Quickest feet. Uh, well, some of the quickest feet in the skateboarding. And just sure. a, a super good vibe too. He's yeah. Like, you know, always stoked and smiling wherever you take him. He's like, okay, kid, yeah, let's skate. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this and then... Um, When the tight booth guys came over, mm -hmm. we saw Koichiro skate, and it was fucking amazing. <laughs> so like, okay, and and it's possible that they came already with that intent in mind to like kind of yeah. they wanted to be affiliated with it and put Koichiro on. And we saw Koichiro, we're like, okay, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Who are some of the most recent additions to the team? I, I think I don't know if he's a recent one, but one of the last parts I, I've seen for Magenta was Sh uh, Shogo Zama. Yes. Is that how you say his name? Shogozama, yes. Yeah. From Japan? He's from uh, Japan. Really good style, really good trick uh, selection and spot selection. Very heavy skater. Yeah, he gets yeah. a lot. Was he recently? Uh, yeah, that's did quite he join recent. The team recently? Okay. I mean, uh, I met him like years ago because we had the same uh, clothing sponsor in Japan, Remila. Okay. He was skating for them. And so I was like, I kind of had my eye on it, mm -hmm. on him. And possibly likewise, you know. What about uh, Gunas, Gunas Osdogan? Is he, because mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of people also rocking like the magenta gear or boards, uh, mm -hmm. but sometimes I'm not too sure if they're actually pro for the brand or if they're just homies or like Sergio uh, Cadare from Bordeaux. So like, how do you distinguish kind of the, so to speak, official team and then the homies? Yeah, we don't really make much of a difference. I mean, at some point, yeah. if I think it has a lot to do with your own um, behavior. If mm -hmm. you behave like a pro, then you become pro. Like, I think it's one misconception in skateboarding that people turn you pro. I yeah. mean, in, in a certain way they do, but it's basically based on your own... Motivation. Motivation, behavior. If you understand how you can be useful for a company, for the brand, then it's like it becomes natural. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, like, Ganesh was like a recent addition. Mm -hmm. 
Casey Foley in Australia. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm, I'm hyped on him. He's uh, super sick. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's incredible, incredible skater. And one of the yeah. nicest guys as well. Yeah. Uh, Jamil Douglas in San Francisco. Yes. Also uh, we had a part skater. recently, right? Yes, uh, we did like a small like a SF, uh, SF section right, with yeah. Bangor. Jesse Narvaez, who's oh, yeah. one of his uh, close friends too, and uh-huh. we've been like long time friends with him since mm-hmm. the San Francisco Hillsdale Blues. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We met obviously a lot of people there and got yep. a lot of good friends. Ruben Spelta from Milan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. also he's been skating for us for a long time and. Just turned pro recently. And yeah, we did a ball because he's like, he's yeah. like, so magical. We're like, okay. Yeah, like it's... He's, a, he's a special talent. Exactly. Yeah. He's yeah, very yeah. graceful and yeah, really like for his real, style. For sure. It's a lot of people basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to. Um, so you don't have like a super rigid program, so to speak, where you're like, okay, this is the A team, this is the B team. This not is, really. More I mean, like they're a, all like yeah. friends. I mean, sometimes I guess in people, they want to move up. They're like, okay, like I want to pro ball, which I understand. Yeah. And at the same time, you're like, well, there's like 10 people already. Yeah. How do you come? <laughs> it's difficult to make like 10 yeah. pro balls. It's like, we're not a giant company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still like only four running mm-hmm. the brand. I mean, mostly three. Yeah. Still uh, Jean-Vivien and me with um, Leo helping out quite a lot with the video editing. But, oh, I didn't know that. But he, Vivien yeah. is still doing a lot of video editing. But it's mostly like three people working nonstop on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not a lot of people. Yeah, 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 for sure. You just mentioned Vivian and Leo, they're both in Bordeaux, but you're still in Paris. And I was wondering, did you ever think about moving over there? Or did you think about maybe said, uh, because I, I believe that the like the headquarters, so to speak, of Magenta are in Bordeaux. Nowadays, yes. So did you think at some point that you would move out there? Or, or are you like, uh, do you like Paris too much? Or what, what's basically your... I did think about it for a minute. And I actually did it for a minute. Okay. I moved there um, in... Uh, 15 maybe, but I stayed for one year. And actually in this one year, I was going back and forth Paris uh-huh. and actually being in Paris a lot or going somewhere else or going to see my parents or... And so in the end, I was staying, I was in Bordeaux like three days, a, three days a month. So I can say that in total, I lived there for like 33 days. <laughs> okay. And yeah, then I realized, well, like, there's so much stuff that I have to do either in Paris or if oh, I go and see my parents, it's close to Paris. And I really love Paris. A lot of my really good friends are here. And I'm yeah, like, okay, my made more sense here. to stay here. Isn't it, uh, so to speak, a problem in the sense that uh, you're over here and they're over there? Obviously, today with the internet and everything, it's much easier to uh, share information and everything. And you can work on your graphics from here and whatever. But uh, yeah, f- for this uh, part, it's easy for sure. Yeah. But uh, there's also a lot of problems from not being centralized. Well, yeah. Everything yeah. takes a bit more time. Mm-hmm. Even communication, even though it's like instant, you're not you're not constantly with someone around or yeah. So this part is um, a little bit tricky. It's for sure slower, and also the difficult part is to have um, your team scattered all over the world. Oh yeah, like we have people in Japan, in Australia, mm-hmm. in uh, in Sweden, in Jersey Island, or London, yeah. or Paris, or Bordeaux, or Milan, or yeah. San Francisco, Miami. So whatever project you work on, you know you have to organize something. And it's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, for brands that where everyone in the brand is in the same place, it's going to be much easier for any video project, any uh, yeah. photo shoot, anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it's, so, I mean, there's, uh, there's pros and cons for sure. But Yeah, yeah. It's worked out so far. Yeah, It worked out so far. Yeah. It's not something that we planned either. It's just like yeah. we met people and they're like-minded and like, okay, let's do something, whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll find a way. But for sure, there's a lot of stuff that's more complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
ask you just about the artistic side. You mentioned earlier that uh, you were drawing when you were younger, then you kind of stopped and focused on skating for a long time. And then when you were starting Magenta, you got back into drawing and making art. Mm -hmm. And so can you tell me about like getting back into it and uh, kind of how you would define your style? Because what, from what I've seen from your work on board graphics and, and everything that you've been doing with Magenta, you seem to draw a lot, lots of like animals and geometrical forms, shapes. But uh, yeah, can, can you tell me about starting to draw again and how you've kind of um, figured out your style as an artistic director, basically? Well, I'm not sure I figured out my style. <laughs> <laughs> still a work in progress? Yes, I still have yeah. no clue what I'm doing. I mean, yeah. I do have a certain clue. But yeah, basically, I stopped, I stopped drawing when I discovered skating. Mm -hmm. And so for the longest time, I wasn't drawing. And then uh, through Benjamin Debert, I met uh, Stefan Marx. And he was doing like these little zines and uh, it was not as known as it now, but it was already like starting to be recognized, recognized a bit mm -hmm. and, and doing a lot of drawings. I didn't really know who he was, but I looked at his drawings and liked a lot of it. I'm like, wow, this is really sick. Yeah. And I told him, like, ah, it's funny. Yeah, I used to draw a lot. And he was just like, all yeah, right, well, I just, do it again. Yeah. just do it again. Like take this little notepad and start drawing. Mm -hmm. I was like, Man, yeah, why not? <laughs> and started drawing a little bit, but I was like out of practice. And so yeah. I just started like, yeah, I don't know, trying to draw, draw everything, like people on the street or whatever, like yeah. people. And that's when we started Magenta. And I was like, okay, I, I got to go a lot more into that. Mm -hmm. And after a while, I guess animals were easier to draw. How so? Because they don't have to look too exactly. Maybe I was too concerned in doing like something kind of realistic. Mm -hmm. Because I, yeah, didn't, I couldn't think of a style. I'm like, okay, I need to try and draw this. Yeah. Or to draw this person. But then when you miss the portrait of someone, it kind of looks like shit. Mm -hmm. And it's very visible. For the yeah. Animals were easier. Yeah. Okay. No one's coming to complain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I guess I always liked the, I don't know, weird geometrical mm -hmm. 3D kind of stuff. I don't even know why I was drawn to it. But yeah. But then I, for God knows what reason, I started doing to associate them. And then I was like, okay, what does it mean? Why do I draw this? Why do other people not draw animals in geometric shapes? Yeah. What, yeah, yeah. You know what can I mean in trying to understand? Yeah, the thought process. The or... thought process behind it. Yeah. And I came up with one theory about my own work. And then I started to, I tried to explore that one theory. Like, where does it lead me? Okay. And so I, I guessed or figured that I was um, trying to represent the human mind. The fact that we're animals with a capacity of abstraction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I guess those, those are the two parts of the animal and geometric shapes uh, things. And, and so it, it started to tap into consciousness and yep. subconscious uh, thinking and with uh, imagination. And from this, the visions from like visionary plants and stuff like that. Because I, I was always like curious about this too, that people could have visions. You yeah, know, yeah. you'd read about this somewhere or it was, there was something magical. Be like, well, you, you see another like a different reality like what the yeah. fuck is this and so i got interested in that and then from then i was interested in like kind of optical illusions or of okay. some kind of sorts of like yeah like to draw the, the imagination mm -hmm. and also i was always like uh i've always been fascinated by the concept of yin and yang the fact that such a simple graphic could contain so much you know you can apply it to pretty much anything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. anything fits into this one image and i was always been also very dualistic for a lot of reasons the fact that i'm half french half indian the fact that my dad was he defines himself as a hindu protestant where my mom is catholic okay so those like two religions two different countries 
of two very different cultures, mm -hmm. two very different uh, level of wealth, because okay. one is a developed country, the other one is third world. Yeah. Both my parents have uh, very different um, health conditions. My mom has a very rare and terrible genetic disease. Okay. My dad is surprisingly young for his age. Okay. And then other parts of it, I've just like, I've seen the two ends of a lot of, uh, not a lot, but I mean of some worlds. Mm -hmm. Like for skating, I was a fan of skating, reading magazines, and then I went to the other side and was in the magazines and in mm -hmm. the things. I've watched movies and then we made movies and I was on, yeah. on a TV screen somewhere. I feel like I've been behind some scenes. I've been behind like fashion photo shoots and yep. stuff that you normally see on a billboard or something. So, yeah. so the, there was always like an element of duality mm -hmm. and I was fascinated by the yin and yang. And so to go back to the um, drawing process, the artistic process, I realized that uh, it's really guesswork. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I realize anything, but my guess is that uh, I like to try and draw what's happening on that curvy line between the yin and the yang. That yeah. means between the day and night, that means where dreams happen, for example, where you see like weird shit that are um, half um, mythological or symbolic or it's a mix of everything. It's kind of a strange place. It's the yeah. Twilight Zone. I liked the Twilight Zone when I was a kid, you know, that, that show. It's a reality that is not, that is kind of strange and like you don't, the frontier is like kind of shady or, yeah. And I was always fascinated by that. And then look at, looking at what I do and, and the direction that it took. I'm like, well, this is, it looks like this is what I'm, I'm trying to draw. Yeah. And so the more I think this, I'm like, okay, I want to explore that. Then I've, I've got to zoom in, zoom in on that front here and, and try to see what's, what's happening there. Okay. There's also a part where when you do a brand and when you develop a certain idea or I can't really talk of a style because contrary to a lot of people, and I'm, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying it's a good thing, but I don't have, I'm not sure I have one style. I have, I have a certain style of idea that mm -hmm. I'm going to express, but it's always going to be expressed differently. Yeah. The style of drawing is going to be different, and I'm not sure I have, like, one style of drawing. Whenever you see a drawing of Mark Gonzalez, you can recognize, okay, it's Mark yeah. Gonzalez, his, mm -hmm. his line. Or same with uh, Stefan Marx, or basically with anyone who's, who's smart, that's <laughs> how they're going to do it. It's very mm -hmm. recognizable. And for me, the only thing that's recognizable is, like, the idea behind it. Okay, it's more, there's more a, there's the idea continuity than the actual in the, uh, in drawing the idea, but Exactly. Okay. And so, at the same time, like, Magenta has its own identity. I have my own ideas that I want to draw. And at some point, yeah, you, know, you have to think about what you're drawing. Is it really, should I draw, should I just draw this on my personal stuff and have something? So I'm trying kind of to separate the two, at least to a certain extent. But mm -hmm. then, since there's not much time and I'm doing a lot of uh, stuff, I'm doing a lot of work, it's hard to separate these because there's stuff that I want to say. And I'm like, okay, this is, at this point, that's my canvas. And so I need to put a bit of it in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You mentioned that Magenta started at the same, maybe not the exact same time, but at least the same year than Palace and Polar, mm -hmm. which are all still super legit brands today and that really sh shook things up in mm -hmm. the skate industry. Because before that, there were a few brands in America who were basically dominating the whole market. Yeah. And all of a sudden, these brands come out of nowhere and are kind of bedroom brands, so to speak, and become these enormous brands and still have a kind of a really underground like identity and mm -hmm. sponsoring uh, skaters that are not the regular kind of U.S. tech mm -hmm. skater or whatever. 
there's really a very specific identity to each brand. I'm just curious to ask you about like, um, at what point did you realize that Magenta was becoming something bigger than just this small project that you had started with Vivian? And at what point did you realize like, oh shit, like this is actually becoming super well known and, and like uh, people know about it in the US and, and it's like super legit now. It's not just this little thing that we started for fun. Well, like, that, that happened quite quickly after the start because straight away Josh was interested. Right. Uru in Japan was interested. A few people, like, every week, like, Vivian was, was dealing with all this. Like, everybody was like, okay, they, they were, someone ordered boards in this country or they on this place or this place. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, yeah, really? Like, yeah, I could see that people knew it pretty much instantly. Like, they were, we got a bunch of um, magazine interviews about us starting the brand. Like, we could very quickly feel that there was an international interest in the brand. But at the same time, we're, uh, we're not paying ourselves at that point. Yeah. So at the same time, you feel that there's something happening. But, but, but it's you, like it's, you don't it's see the profits, ungraspable because uh, yeah. you're like, I'm, I'm still making no money and yeah. doing this out of passion mm -hmm. and it might fall out in six months yeah. for whatever reason. So I felt it quickly, but I couldn't grasp it. Okay. Now that it's been 12 years and you said that you thought it would only last maybe two or three years, are you more confident about it lasting a bit longer or are you still kind of in that state of mind where, oh, maybe maybe in six months we'll just stop it or, or are you a bit more like, we might actually keep this going for another few years or something? Or I'm more confident now because okay. I understand more of how things work and how what makes a brand successful, what makes it disappear. I don't understand everything, of course, no, and, of uh, course yeah. otherwise we'd be a lot stronger <laughs> or maybe not because we also do the brand that we want to do which is yeah. not a very big one or exactly yeah but yeah no i don't have that i'm not thinking like okay we, it might stop in six months mm -hmm. even though it might happen for there's plenty of reasons for something to fuck up yeah oh yeah and we've we've Never actually know. almost as a company we almost died like three times maybe already. really okay can you talk about it was maybe covid one of those or? no there was earlier than that the first time was maybe some um exchange rate oh, okay yeah. because we're our entire production was in the u.s boards and clothing and on our biggest order to date for that time by the time we ordered and the time that we had to actually pay the invoice the dollar grew exploded exploded okay and for a month you kind of wish for it to go down and it doesn't and yeah. at some point you have to pay an extra thirty thousand. Oh. and you're like oh <laughs> shit like okay yeah And so you have to figure out a way to like get money, borrow money, like do some shit. Okay. But yeah, that was one of them. And then some, yeah, some other stuff. Okay. But yeah, there's a bunch of times where it was really like a, for a reason that you have hadn't predicted. thought of, predicted. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you could, could as well stop in six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't predict the future for sure. But without this, I'm like, okay, no, it should last yeah. a few years, you know. And so what are some of the projects that you're working on right now? Like uh, you went to Marseille recently. Leo is in, was in Strasbourg for a mm -hmm. few days. And you said you were going somewhere else very soon. I don't remember where it was. Right now I'm leaving on a holiday that has nothing oh, right. to do with this. Yeah. But, um, Not a but yeah, trip. we're working on a... I mean, working is one of the words. It's always kind of a weird word to apply to yeah, skating. Yeah, to apply to skating. Yeah. We're filming... We're planning to release a new uh, full-length video full -length? in the uh, cool. early next year. Yeah, we've had a bunch of people come over here. Yeah, Sergio. Last, uh, uh, last summer yeah. and then this summer again. And uh -huh. and basically now that it's the process is launched, mm -hmm. we're like, okay, let's let's have more people come and film more stuff and, and try to do like a sick video. So we're doing a Just Cruise 2. 
Oh, nice. The follow-up cool. to Just Cruise, which was like, a, for us, it was a good video. <laughs> yeah, it was an amazing video, for sure. We're going to wrap it up uh, with the friends' questions. I just have one last question from me, uh, which is basically, what's the most valuable lesson that you feel you've learned from skateboarding? Uh, the most valuable lesson from skating? I guess that when you fall, you get back up. That's one of them. Like persistence? Persistence. I mean, skateboarding also taught me work. Because before that, I was not a very good student, mm -hmm. not paying attention. Wouldn't be very good at memorizing courses and stuff like that. But I could memorize anything related to skating. Yeah. And I was pretty much idle and only doing only skating after my studies for like nearly five, six years. Mm -hmm. Just traveling, skating and not doing much. And I always saw myself as being pretty lazy. And then when you start magenta, you start working. working. a lot, yeah. And then you become not a workaholic, but yeah, you just yeah. work pretty much constantly. If I take a week of holiday in the year, I'm psyched. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a labor of love. Yeah, it's a definitely. And so he told me yeah. that if you, you know, it, it's not inherited that you're lazy or you're a worker. If you, you just have to find something, something you, that something you love doing. You lo something you love is like the gap between work and pleasure becomes a lot more shady. Of course, yeah. Which yeah. has also pros and cons because then you just work all the time. Yeah, and you don't take vacation. And like you, you don't take said. vacation. Yeah. And at some point you're like, shit, I, I should take vacation. I need yeah. like a, I need the change of air for one week. And yeah. obviously I can complain about it because I'm like, I love what I do. Yeah, yeah. Like I love doing it. But at the same time you do it like, Non-stop. 12 months, yeah. like non-stop. You know, sometimes you work on Sundays, sometimes you work late evenings, like, you yeah. know. Usually on the holiday, I would take my computer and still work a little bit. Yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. that frontier is also very uh, out of focus. And at some point, you're like, I feel like I do actually need a break. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, need yeah. to be able to take one week somewhere. All right, let's wrap it up with the friends' questions. So this one is from uh, Foss, from Mark mm -hmm. Foster, from, um, from uh, Heroin and from Landscape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he said, we used to bomb hills around his house at night and go to a really crappy fast food place called Beep Burger or B-I-P Burger. Beep Burger. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can ask him the last time he ate at Beep Burger. <laughs> Very simple. The last time I was, was, it, <laughs> was at my place. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. it was pretty much the last place opened by my house. Okay. So we would cruise late at night and... That was the last place open. It was a really shit, crappy burger place. Yeah. <laughs> the next one is audio. Let's see. Hey, Soy. How are you? I was wondering when is the next art show coming up? I really hope to see you soon. Miss you. Bye. It's uh, Stefan Marx. We mentioned him earlier. That's another very good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really want to do one, but um, basically for the reason that I don't have much time and I don't have... For anything I do, especially with the board graphics and stuff, I also have to be quick with that because mm. I'm late and there's a lot of clothing to, to do and other yeah. shit. So mm. I, I can devote less and less time to it, kind yeah. of. And so I kind of figured out a process that makes it quick, which is to draw on the first sheet of paper that appears in front of my desk. Sometimes it's a it's an envelope <laughs> and I sketch an idea and then I scan it and I vectorize it and then I do the colors. Okay. And then I'm going to draw something else mm -hmm. and I do the uh, the assembling on Photoshop. And so, because of this, I don't have an original of it. And since there's not much time, I haven't had time to make new originals. Okay. And so that's something I really want to do because I miss this a lot. And I enjoy having outros and stuff. And I'd like to have one next year. Mm -hmm. But I know I, I need to start from scratch and be like, okay, I need to free some time in order to do those. Yeah, okay. So maybe next year. <laughs> Hopefully. 
Okay, next one is from uh, Michael Macrot. Mm -hmm. uh, so he asked a few things. I'll just ask you two quick questions from him. He said, if you had to move to India for a few years, which region would you choose and why? You've been a few I've times, been, right? I've been yeah. many times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm always, uh, I'm always staying in the north at my parents' place. Okay. And yeah, I can't say I've done much, much more tourism. traveling around yeah. there. I mean, I've been to a few places, but I don't know them so well. So I guess I would say either Delhi or Mumbai. Okay. But most likely, realistically, I'd move maybe to uh, my parents' town to like yeah. see my parents and help them out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A comfortable place for you. At least a place where it can be useful. Yeah, yeah. And he said, this is also about India, actually. He said, would it be acceptable to do a hippie jump over a cow in India like uh, Sylvain did in Palestine, I think, from a religious point of view? I guess he means Sylvain Tonnelli. Yeah, I guess he's... Yeah. yeah. I don't remember him doing that, but uh, yeah. I don't either, but um, <laughs> why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure it would be yeah, very accepted. Tolerated, yeah. <laughs> They're really, like, sacred over there, and you don't, yeah, you don't I mean, touch just, them or whatever. Yeah, you're supposed to let them live in there. Yeah. Yeah, they're sacred, but like in a very Indian way because okay. they're basically they eat trash out of the oh, ground yeah. and they eat plastic and all this shit. So oh, like, shit, yeah, you're yeah. sacred, but basically we're going to feed you your yeah. trash and we're going to take your milk. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Like India is a very strange place. It's, yeah. it's quite fucked up. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. All right, so this one is uh, another audio question. Yo, Sai, so I hope you're good and the anchor is getting better. For the question, I was thinking about who is your top three best nose money skater of all time. If you can answer that, that will be fun. Good luck. Bastien <laughs> Rogest, uh, who, who makes also the beer videos and stuff. So, um, nose money skater. I was thinking about this when he sent it. I was like, oh, this is a difficult. Uh, yeah, because you're definitely in there for me. Well, let's say there's me. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, does and it, me. Does, does it count as one? <laughs> if it does, then it's going to be a lot easier. Well, me. And, uh, Shinpei Ueno, of course. Mm -hmm. He's doing a lot of uh, really good nose manuals. And uh, I thought about uh, Kenny Anderson. It's because of the nose manual in um, mm -hmm. One Step Beyond. Yeah, the, the super long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if he actually does a lot of nose manual in his skating. I mean, he does, but there's a lot of kickflip nose manuals. Yeah. There's a lot of manuals in general. Right, right, right. But someone like me is going to do only a nose manual. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about Huff as well. I thought he Huff. There was a lot of manuals. there was a lot of manuals. Yeah, gap to manuals also, yeah. and pff, I don't know. I can I can I can name only two and then one of them. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you can be you can be twice. <laughs> okay, there's there's me, Shinpei, and me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this next one is from, uh, we mentioned him earlier, Casey Foley. Mm -hmm. um, he said, the plant logo is really prominent in 90% of Magenta's gear and the iconic logo is recognized in skateboarding all across the globe. I heard in an interview that you talked about when you wear the plant logo, you're contributing to the growth of the plant or the growth of mankind. Could you talk a bit more about this concept? So for the growth of mankind, which is maybe like a kind of a grand formula, I'm not that serious that everything <laughs> okay. should be taken, taken literal, but for the, sa the same thing as drawing, I try to understand my logo after I made it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what does it mean? Why am I drawing this? Because it came, I don't know, it came kind of naturally. And I was like, okay, like I'm doing this plant with one leaf that is different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I, the focus of that different leaf seemed to represent the in individual, like the individual branch or leaf in the branch. Right, and right. so the, the shine of a certain individual in the group 
and that individual can be anyone in the team, for example. Everyone is that special branch that is uh, bringing his own flavor, his own color to the, yeah. to the whole. And the fact that it's a plant and what plant does is grow. So I guess the contribution of that one individual serves the growth of the entire plant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the idea is that everyone should contribute to the best of their abilities, not in an individualistic way, but like... More in a collective... Uh, yeah, in like in, with collective values. Being right, like, okay, right. together, if we all bring our contribution, then we can make it grow and, and become like a healthy tree or whatever. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the tree is like... I mean, you, could, you can go on forever because the tree hosts life, for example. The bigger yep. the tree is, the more there's going to be birds on it. Or, so if you can like contribute to that, then it's, it benefits everywhere. It benefits, and yeah. so in a certain way, you can extend it to like mankind. If everyone yeah, does yeah, this yeah. everywhere, but I'm not. I'm not trying to say okay, we contribute to mankind with no, the of gentile. course, like, yeah, it, that's not, not the, in that's a very not literal the, way. Of course, that's yeah, not but, the point. But the point is like yeah. okay, like everyone should contribute to the best of what they could to whatever is around, mm-hmm. so that it grows in like an in a healthy tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Kenny Reed. He said, "Ask him if he remembers skating with me in SF next to Rainbow in the parking lot." Next to Rainbow, is that a person? I don't know. He said he said next to Rainbow, and there's like a capital R to Rainbow, so I'm not sure if it's an actual Rainbow or like a oh, place. Maybe, it's, maybe he's talking the, about the DMV, DMV maybe. spot. Yeah, because there's a there's a parking lot. I'm not sure I remember that one, Kenny. <laughs> I remember I remember a lot of it, and I remember the first time I went to his place, and I re- I didn't really know him, and met him very briefly in Paris. Mm-hmm. I was a fan. I was impressed. You know. So yeah. yeah. That was my first time in San Francisco. I was there for a month. I was like, oh man, he lives there. I was staying with a Richard Hart's place. Kind of saved our life. I didn't know him before. Mm-hmm. And we had some housing troubles. And he was like, okay, you can stay at my house. And he was like, okay, but you can stay a couple of days because in two days I'm going to Asia on this mm. trip for like a month or two with Kenny Reed and some other guys. All of a sudden I'm like, what? So Kenny Reed is leaving for a month? Mm-hmm. I'm here for a month. One of my dreams was to skate with Kenny here. Yeah, yeah. And then Kenny shows up in the apartment with uh, his friend Travis Graves, okay, another really good skater. And so they both showed up, and I was like, at the same time, like star struck. star struck, yeah. And I was like, fuck, you're actually leaving tomorrow. I'm here for yeah. months. Like bummed, yeah, bummed. Yeah. And so that was my first memory of like being in San Francisco. I remember also drinking sake with a uh, Kenny in San Francisco when. <laughs> Was it a good experience? or? <laughs> yeah, pretty much every experience. I've, I've had a lot of experience with Kenny and they were all good. <laughs> they, all, they all make like good, cool. me- very good memories. But the Rainbow parking lot, which I'm guessing is the DMV parking lot. Uh-huh. I remember being there with Vivian and with um, a filmer who was formerly filming for Phone One. And, but I can't remember Kenny being there and there. Sorry, Kenny, that's the only memory of you that I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, he selected the exact one. He asked also, um, ask him about the models party we went to while we were in Goa, India. Do you remember that one? (laughs) (laughs) So basically, when you go to India, like especially the parts of where I'm from, there's literally no alcohol. It's uh, not advertised. You can. It's really hard to buy it, or you have to drink in secret, or it's it's not a part of the culture. And then all of a sudden, we go to Goa, and there I sit on billboards. It's like the Ibiza of India. And some guy in the street, like comes up to us, hey, there's this party there. It's like, he hands out flyers. Okay. And on it, it was a free entrance for models. Okay. And I guess the same month, Kenny and I had a photo in a magazine somewhere, maybe an ad for Planet Earth or something. We were kind of, we were kind of modeling. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> okay. well, maybe you can pull it off, you know, like, yeah. let's try it. And, <laughs> and so we went and we did pull it off. We got in there. It was like free alcohol all night long. 
there was three bars of like free alcohol and like is this fucking is this india like it is yeah, yeah, yeah. this <laughs> like, is as far as possible as from what you had my been uh, experiencing before what i've experienced there my whole life yeah, yeah. i think it was the the party was hosted by russian people and there's oh, a lot okay, of models okay. and the thing yeah. turned into like a rave somewhere we were uh riding on um scooters and for this i think i was on i think it was him driving on the way back <laughs> wow. yeah that was pretty, pretty intense. and i think we tried again like a there was another one of these parties a oh, few yeah. days later. Okay. We're like, well, we pulled it off one, we can do it yeah. again, we'll bring the magazine again. Yeah. <laughs> and the second time, the guy's like, mm-hmm, oh, that doesn't yeah. work. Did they recognize you from the first time, or did they... Mm, possibly. Okay, yeah, okay. They're like, no, sure. these guys are not actually... Yeah, yeah this, is, this is not modeling, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we understand by models. <laughs> okay, this one is from Raphael Zarka. He said, hi, Soy, I think we were both fans of the sculpture in Saint-Germain-des-Prés in Paris. How many tries did it take you to do the Nolly Hill you did there? And what are your favorite tricks that have been done there? So for people who are listening, it's like a sculpture. Uh, there's some like some water beneath it. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's like a, um, it's like a quite big metal structure. Yeah. It's like a kind of a volcano yeah. made of metal banks with yeah. really kind of sharp angles. And yeah. And there's, and there's, like, and there's water underneath. They're pretty thin, right? The, the, um, I mean, they move a little bit at the very top. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Pretty unstable. And, uh, I mean, I have, I've never skated them, but I'm sure it must be a little scary. Yeah. And yeah, I've always loved that spot. The uh -huh. first photo I saw of this spot was in a was a double spread in Transworld mm -hmm. of uh, this French guy called uh, Yorgo Yorgo Tuplas. Okay. And he was doing an indie grab at the very top, and on the photo, he looks like he's landing on the other bank. Oh yeah. In front of it, I'm like, this is impossible. And actually lands on the ground, but like, I don't even know how he got the speed to do it. Yeah. Like the photo was crazy, and I was like, okay, th this was is amazing. Was it a make, or was it maybe just a... I guess it's a make. It's yeah. before I, it was before my time in Paris. Okay. And then I went there and, uh, and skated a few times. The, I had a, a photo um, doing a kickflip on the biggest bank. Yep. This was in a British magazine. Mm -hmm. And then I went there with uh, Benjamin and did the tray flip. Which is oh, yeah. maybe the... Oh, yeah. The, the, there's a cool picture of that, yeah. Likely the best photo I ever shot. Yeah, yeah. Is this it's one. It's a really good one, yeah. And it ended up being also a double spread in Transworld. Mm -hmm. And then later on, I had to shoot a photo for uh, maybe Skateboarder Mag or... I can't remember which Mag it is. Okay. And I went there and did a Nolly Hill flip. Nolly Hill to Fakie, right? Nolly Hill yeah, to Fakie, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think every time I've been there and tried it, every time a boat fell in the water. So you have to kind of dry it up. Yeah, you can't skate it immediately after. Yeah. yeah. The kickflip didn't take so long. Tray flip took a long time just because I was scared. And so I would land one foot on the board every try for like four hours. Oh, yeah. And then Benjamin's like, come on, man, you don't miss a tray flip. Yeah. And you've been landing perfectly one foot on just put the other foot on. Yeah, you need to commit. Yeah. You need to commit at some yeah. point. Like, yeah. on. At the time, I would literally never miss a tray flip on flat yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I got this. And so after like three or something hours, I'm like, okay, dude, like people are not going to wait for you forever. Yeah, like, you need to do it now. And so I put my feet on and I landed primo. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily oh, I didn't hurt myself. But did, I'm like, Did you fall Fuck. like uh, from... I kind of slid down and okay. avoided every trap there was that I could yeah. have really fucked myself up. Yeah, you can really get fucked up on that thing. But yeah. uh, then it took me, of course, another like hour and a half or two hours to like commit again because I, oh, yeah. you were I scared. was like, yeah. fuck, man, well, if I, you know, it's fucking scary. And then the heel flip, I don't remember if it took so long, but I do remember that my board went in the water. And yeah, everything's kind of scary. And also like the run-up is kind of a nightmare. Yeah. 
you have to come from really far, push really fast yeah. in an alleyway yeah. and you have to cross a road and you don't see pedestrians coming from one way. You don't yeah. see the light even or the cars coming and then you have to all up a curb, yeah. go on. So it's so like, it's, it's really too. tiring and sometimes you're pushing super fast and then someone comes in your way Yeah. or a car's coming, you have to. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's a difficult spot. Yeah. Well, for, for sure. me it was a difficult spot. Do you have a, another trick that uh, comes to mind? So, you mentioned the Ollie, the Indie Grab. Uh, is there another one that uh, comes to mind, maybe? Tavu did the pivot to Fakey. Yeah. Remy Tavera did something really sick there. He did like a shove it hippie jump coming the other way around, like a cross. Oh, Under yeah, the Big yeah, Bang, yeah, yeah. he did some like shove it hippie jump, which is completely nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I'm not sure what else to be done on that. Mm. All right, next question. Leo Vals. Uh, Yo Soy, you're one of these people that inspire others to travel and explore. Can you tell us which places were the most inspiring to visit from a personal point of view and also for your skateboarding? Um, likely Japan. For uh, skateboarding? Or I mean, for... both because yeah, for both. skating, for how a certain category of skaters view skating and the fact that there was a lot of, um, at least to a certain extent, like like-minded people. Mm-hmm or really focused on certain idea of street skating and making videos and stuff and the, and seeing the way they do it, seeing the, um, their relation to work and their relation to everything. Like, they're, they're basically good at everything they do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they work a lot. Perfectionists, yeah. They're perfectionists. Like, everything they touch is going to be the best version of whatever it is. That mm. And, yeah, whatever, the design, city planning, like, anything. And the people are super nice. Food is amazing. Like it's super modern. There's like crazy spots. It's oh, yeah. really hard to skate them because you get two tries. You get kicked out of everywhere. Yeah. Like it's it was always very interesting, and yeah. I love going there always. Mm -hmm. So I'd say probably that Japan, yeah. which is likely the the same for for Leo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, because he's been sure. yeah we've been he a, lived we've out been, there for a bit, right? He like did like stay or? there for like another year. He was planning on a year, but I think he stayed like three to months. six months. But yeah, we've been there together a few times mm -hmm. too. And uh, yeah, I've never been. But I'm sure it's amazing. Yeah. All right. This one is audio. Let's see. Hey, Quentin and Soy. This is Joel Curtis here from the Skate Creative Podcast. Uh, my question for Soy is, a long time ago in an interview, he said he felt more of a connection with British skateboarding rather than French. I wondered how he feels about French skateboarding today and maybe a comparison with British skateboarding now. All right. Cheers. Bye. Yeah, Joel. It's actually kind of a tough one because... Um, you talked about British skateboarding earlier. Yeah, I already talked about this a little bit, uh -huh. but... Indeed, the skate scene has, has changed since yeah. then. And it seems that, that now there's not so much of a difference anywhere. I think it's like, more I mean, or maybe there's, there's also, there's still differences, but they're maybe not as visible or maybe not as yeah. visible for me because I look at it from a certain viewpoint. But it seems to me that it's more equalized. Mm -hmm, People mm -hmm. tend to skate kind of in the same way. It's not like French skaters are going to be super tech and skating the Doom and the blueprint guys are going to skate rough spots and things. Yeah. Instagram must have like, uh, yeah, now it's to the, standardize a bit more. Yeah. Now there's either like the big contest, whatever, skaters mm -hmm. that are doing super gnarly stuff, or yep. the US is always going to have a tendency to have something gnarly going on, like the GX1000 or whatever. Like the, yep. But um, yeah, Europe-wise, I'm, I'm not sure I can see. There's going to be like small, subtle differences for sure. Yeah, but they're not as uh, important as they used to be. It seems to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see, Jan Cleaver. He said, would definitely like to know if anyone ever mentioned to him he looked like the actor Roy Sunday. 
Ah, it's funny because yeah, I've, I've heard that before. <laughs> People have said that to me. People have come up to me like, "Oh, you, you're right." <laughs> I'm like, "No, <laughs> right." I mean, I wish I was right. My life would be uh, quite different. No? But uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's been mentioned. I always think it's funny when when it happens. But <laughs> okay, all right. This one, uh, let's see, another audio one. Hi, uh, hi, Soso. I hope Quentin is treating you good, but I'm sure he is. He asked me to ask you questions, so here it is. After years, but I'd rather say centuries, of skating, traveling, living in different cities, you met tons of skaters. So can you give us a top three of the most underrated, perfectly unknown by the majority, but skaters that definitely blew your mind with their style, of course. Thanks. Bisous. <laughs> I recognize his voice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I know people that are unknown so much <laughs> anymore, you know. All right, I have one unknown. Okay. I mean, from back in the days, I have a few that I th uh -huh. that I think had really an incredible style and that didn't really I, make I it, mentioned so. before uh, Travis Graves. Yep. He had maybe one part or maybe a part and a half and maybe some tricks here and there. Mm -hmm. He was a friend of Kenny's and incredible style. SF skater? I think originally he's from, he's, uh, from the same uh, place as Kenny, so upstate New York. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's Rochester or something. And then went to San Francisco, lived there for a while, I guess. Okay. Even more unknown is uh, Johnny Marshall from Boston, who had a few tricks in videos here and there. Mm -hmm. And um, I met him in uh, 98 when I, was to, when I went to Boston. Uh, I was skating with Jamal Williams and this other guy was really good, Pan Madan. Mm -hmm. He was a friend of them. And I saw him skate in front of me and I was like, wow. And then... Panamadan showed me like a tape of footy that they have for him, Jamal, and Johnny Marshall. Okay. And uh, the three of them were really amazing, and Johnny Marshall had never heard of him, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what mm. this style is, there's something about it that is really sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disappeared completely. Okay. I think he paints now, and good luck finding him. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm changing a bit his question, but like, who's someone that you've seen skating in real life that you were completely blown away by his style? Casey Foley was one of them, you know, I remember the first time I saw him in Paris before, uh, before he gone on and the very first time I met him. Yep. At that time, I had a vague idea of who he was because I saw some of the, some of the Australian videos and I was following a little bit of that, but I was not really remembering names. And I met him and I saw him skate flag ground at Republic and I was like, damn, this mm. guy's style is really sick. And, yeah, and then it turned out that he wanted to skate for us. So I was like, yeah. Yeah. Jamil also, of course. Oh, yeah. Jamil's yeah. style is incredible. Yeah, so really good style, yeah. Not that I want to preach for my... Uh, <laughs> no, of course. But, I mean, they're on for a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. All right, this one is from Clément Arpillard, who's a French photographer. So he said, how do you feel about being the first person to ever make a Oli Grange? <laughs> <And> so <laughs> so uh, a Grange in, in French is a barn. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could translate this to a barn Oli. Mm-hmm. So, how do you feel about being the first person to ever make a barn ollie? Very proud. <laughs> Extremely proud. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what the hell is a barn ollie? It's literally a, a ollie in a barn from like a platform yeah. into like a plank of wood that I did for God knows what reason. <laughs> because I was pushed to do it. Okay. Because <laughs> we were there and traveling somewhere and I was like, oh, yeah, I should do something here. He'll make the, the guy really ever. happy. Because he was at someone's barn who was doing a lot for the skate for that local skate scene. Okay. And he brought us there, and and they kind of wanted me to do something. Yeah, like, do okay. do something. I think it was Cedric Violet shot the photo. 
-hmm. And then it ended up being the poster of uh, Sugar in the issue that I had uh, my interview in. Okay. And my in entire interview or any photo I've always had or any footage I've always had was in the city center surrounded by cars and shit. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And then... The sun is in a barn. And then the poster <laughs> is a barn only. And the funny thing, a lot of my friends who I hang out with today mm -hmm. were a lot younger than I am. And Clément Pia is one of them. Had that poster in their room when they were kids. Yeah. And Clément was, in fact, there because he's from that region. He was like oh, okay. a 10 or 11-year-old kid. Okay, okay. And he was on, he on was that there. session? Yeah, okay. And it was hype because someone... A skater was who he already knew of was mm. came to skate this bar and make the holy <laughs> <Yeah>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the, yeah that's the holy it's, it's legend <laughs> it's legendary for many reasons <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool two last ones all right last one let's see alors uh, salut mon soso i my soso uh, i have a question for you which rider from the early 90s it's a good choice for magenta And uh, I have another question from uh, Antoine, mon ami de Marseille. It's a question for, for Roy. Uh, I would like to know if you listen to, your, to the music you like or if you like the music you listen to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, first question from Mazaki. Yes. Yeah, so Early that, 90s skater exactly. is good for Magenta. A lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bunch, yeah, for sure. A bunch of them. I was trying to think of this, uh, but I'm, I couldn't really I mean, pinpoint I, I, one person, but yeah. A lot of people I was uh, looking up to, that's Quim Cardona, Kisaf Nagel, oh, yeah. Bobby Polio, oh, yeah, Louis yeah. Forbes. What about in France? Are there any people in France that you... From the early 90s? Yeah. It's difficult. There wasn't a, as big a that scene would be, That here, would be but... fit for Magenta, not that I know of. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, early 90s in France, I knew of uh, either JB, like the Lyon scene was very active, in, yeah. in my opinion. But it was a, kind of and, a, more of a plaza like, kind of yeah, skate. Yeah, JB, I'm a big fan of his skating. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's a fit for Magenta, for example. Yeah, yeah. It's a different type of skating. Sure. Which I really like to watch. And I'm, yeah. But I'm just like, yeah, that wouldn't be exactly a... And yeah, there were some other skaters in Lyon that were kind of in the East Coast vibe, like the guy who were doing IFC, distributing Zoo York and stuff like that. I guess they were, but to be also in Magenta, it's, a, it's also like a friend thing. So it's yeah. like a side of this, it's hard to say that. So in France, I'm not sure. Okay. But so it's, mostly it's going to be early 90s. Uh, East Coast guys. East Coast skaters. Yeah. Okay. And there's going to be yeah, quite a lot of them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of people, who've, we've done a guest board. Guest board, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was always to like put them on a team in s to uh, associate with their yeah. skating in one way or another. Their heritage or their yeah. Legacy. As far as Antoine's question, yeah, I, it think, was, it, uh, yeah, I think it concerns listen, Roy. He said, "Do you listen to the music you like, or do you like the music you listen to?" It's uh, very philosophical. <laughs> a little bit of both, but I guess I listen to the music I like. <laughs> okay. I'm always kind of listening to the same shit over and over. <laughs> yeah, I think we're a lot of people fall in that category for sure. <laughs> All right, very last one. So you usually have a pretty strong idea of what you want to show in a sketch photo. And I was wondering what were the, the pictures that uh, really struck with you over the years and uh, why they were memorable or important to you. Benjamin Debert. Yes, we mentioned him a few times. Legendary photographer. Photographer. Legendary photographer. Yep. And a really long time friend too. I always suck at questions where I have to remember stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because I can never make sure, like, if what struck with me, with me was a photo or a video or something. 
And I guess, yeah, I do have a really specific idea of what I want to show in a photo. Mm -hmm. For a lot of it, it's linked to videos that I've grown up watching. Even though, of course, there's a lot of photos that have, uh, that have impacted me. Mm -hmm. The problem is to remember them. Yeah. Actually, there's a photo of Benjamin that has not little to do with skating, but it's not a skate photo that I've always really liked. Yeah. It's a photo of uh, Quim and a bunch of other guys sitting in like a, some kind of park. In okay. Not a skate park, but like a park. Or like, in New York? They're pretty much sitting on the, on the street or whatever. It's just like them chilling as a group of skaters in the street. Okay. And already that embodied what I want to show. Even even if I show a skate photo, it's, that has to be something like that. It has to be... Yeah. I like the fact that it's going to be kind of a grimy street or... Yeah. And yeah, to me, that's it's. I'm not sure there's even a board on the photo, but to me, it's a good skate photo already. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Like that encapsulates what skating is. Yeah, it's not a skate trick, but it's it's definitely a. It's uh, part of the yeah. The culture, yeah. Where else? There's been many photos that have marked me, but I wouldn't be able to say no. which one for what reason. And one picture of Kenny Reed at the Bubble Banks in New York was an incredible Ollie photo. I was like, that's the one photo where I was like, oh, a simple Ollie can look like this. You don't know who shot that photo. I think it's Michael Mealy, but I'm okay. not entirely sure. One photo that's, it may even be, I think it's a photo by Benjamin. Okay. He's going to fucking hate me for it. <laughs> I'm not sure about it. It was a cover of Sugar of uh, Quim Cardona doing, um, I think it's a Switch Wally, Switch Ball Jam 180, I think. Or Yeah, I really like this photo. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there's one photo that, that has really marked me, but I'm not even sure it exists. Okay. I've never been able to find it again. Oh, okay. And it might actually be from a video, but somehow I can see the photo. Okay. But I've looked for it uh, for a couldn't long time and could okay. never find it. And I think I've asked even Ricky about it. It's a Ricky Oyola. So there was like a manhole cover on the ground in the street. Mm -hmm. And there was some kind of square cutout in the street around it. Okay. And he's doing a switch flip over it. Oh, and yeah. there's a car going behind him. And he's, going, he's doing that in front of a moving car. Wow. Okay. And it might just, I think it's maybe in the Sub-Zero video from a while back. And I've, I feel like I remember the photo, mm -hmm. but the photo might not even exist. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you associated with the... I just, yeah, maybe that flash was like, yeah, fuck it that. Marked you know, you it marked you. Yeah. For me, that these types of questions is really difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely say what my favorite photo of myself is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a photo that Benjamin shot. The tray flip the on tray the, the Saint-Germain-des-Prés Saint sculpture. Saint yeah. I don't know. I can say it's my achievement. Yeah. You know? I was like, okay, I shot this photo with Benjamin. And it, yeah, it looks it's an iconic spot, uh, a trick you like to do. Yeah. That's my favorite one of myself. Thanks, okay. Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's wrap it up here. Thank you, Soy. Thank you well, so thank much. you. That's it for my conversation with Soy. Follow Soy on Instagram at SoyPanday and Magenta at Magenta Skateboards. Go visit magentaskateboards.com to check out some of Soy's most recent graphics for boards and apparel. If you haven't seen it already, go watch the iconic Static 3 video by Josh Stewart from 2007. Also, go watch the Magenta videos on their website while you're waiting for Just Cruise Volume 2. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Boards. Beyond Boards.